This is At Your Cervix, the podcast, session four. Hello and Happy New Year. Welcome to episode four of At Your Cervix, the podcast with pelvic health physiotherapists Emma Brockwell and Gronya Donnelly. Join us as we lift the lid and bust some myths on all things pelvic health, such as urinary incontinence, pelvic pain and pelvic organ prolapse, issues that are often poorly misunderstood and considered embarrassing and taboo. We'll be bringing you stories from women affected by their pelvic health, as well as talking to some incredible pelvic health geeks. We look forward to being at your cervix and opening up the world of pelvic health to all women, men and any medical, healthcare or fitness professionals that work with women. Please remember the information on this podcast is intended as general education and advice only and should not substitute for medical review or assessment by an appropriately trained professional. Welcome back to our regular listeners and a big hello to our new listeners. Before we get into today's episode, we wanted to say a big thank you to those of you who have left reviews. Claire M. Black says that the podcast is a wonderful and informative podcast series from two experts at the top of their field, which addresses such important issues usually considered taboo. I must listen. Simi1968 says, I hope you keep this up because it's invaluable information for therapists, patients, partners and beyond. Thank you. Please keep your reviews and feedback coming as we love to hear from you. But now to today's guest. Sophie Power is a mum of two boys and pregnant with her third baby. She's also an ultra runner, made famous when a photo was taken of her breastfeeding her son when he was three months old and she was running the 106 mile UTMB. Since that photo, she has gone on to empower other women to be active and is a trustee of women in sport. Sophie is also our friend. We met her whilst presenting our return to running postnatal guidelines for the first time at a sports and exercise medicine conference in London. We've stayed in touch and Sophie is now one of my patients as you'll hear. In this episode, Sophie talks to me about the importance of exercising during pregnancy, how listening to her body and adapting have allowed her to have a very active pregnancy and why during this her third pregnancy, she understands as in, and is embracing her pelvic health with great success. We hope you enjoy it. Thank you for joining me this morning. Um, I am really excited to talk to you about everything and anything running related, but we're going to probably talk more around your pregnancy, if that's okay, because you are pregnant for the third time. Congratulations. Uh, Very pregnant. (laughs) Very <laughs> we'll talk about that more at the end um how are you feeling I'm feeling really good um I'm 38 weeks um and um yeah it's going a lot better than the last two went and no really feeling quite happy and healthy forgetting I'm pregnant half the time which is a bit worrying um but no in enjoying it and um slightly worried that I'm gonna have to give birth soon <laughs> I can't believe it I can't believe you're 38 weeks pregnant I remember when you told me and that feels like yesterday so it's it's really exciting, but time has gone very quickly in this weird COVID pandemic. Yeah, it's locked down for you. Totally. How how has your pregnancy differed this time compared to your other two pregnancies? Um, it's very difficult. It's very different running after two small children um, and being pregnant. So that would be the the first bit. 
Um, I think the, the main thing is I just know so much more than I did the first two times. Um, and that's not just going through the experience of pregnancy, um, but that's having experts around me and actually kind of like you and like I've had kind of been talking to you and, and got the right advice and the whole way through. And that's made such a difference to what I've felt comfortable doing, how I've prepared, how I'm much stronger than last time. Um, my first two pregnancies, I trained through, um, certainly weight trained through, um, I ran to seven and a half months, my first pregnancy, I ran only to five months, my second, because uh, I had some hip problems and I knew that I wanted to prepare for UTMB. Um, and so I, I switched my training out, but this time it's been really trying to explore the pregnancy, explore what's happening, really understand my body. Um, partly kind of, I want to be strong, but partly I also wanted to kind of be able to share it with other pregnant women and see kind of, I have access to these experts and a brilliant running coach and um, see what I could then teach others through a blog and through Instagram. And um, so it's been really, really interesting. Um, but I think everything I've done has actually given me a much stronger pregnancy. So um, I'm really, um, I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, I agree. Because I think one of your main goals this time around was to try and run up till childbirth ideally wasn't it um have you hit it are you still running yes so I actually I tore my hamstring about 30 weeks pregnant that wasn't good um and I had a lovely consultant tell me to sit on my ass for four months because I was pregnant and pregnant women should just sit down on the couch and get fat um and you can imagine what I thought of that um and it recovered really quickly I think I, I, I do wonder whether pregnancy helps you recover because you're growing a baby, you can grow your own muscles. I don't know if there's any science in that, um, but that recovered really quickly. And I did six miles on the treadmill this morning, kind of um, at incline. Um, so running 10 minutes, hiking, steeper incline, two minutes and repeat. Um, and yeah, I'm still running, but only because it's comfortable um, and it feels really good. But I'm also doing other things like kind of spinning, um, a bit of boxing, um, weight training. So it's not just, I'm not running anywhere near what I was, but I'm really enjoying the running I'm doing and it's really comfortable. Yeah, uh, that's that's one of the big things that's changed. I think I'm right in saying in this pregnancy is you've been a lot more on your strength training, haven't you, this time around? I think I, I was doing strength training my last pregnancies. So I had a right. strength coach and I was in the gym kind of once, twice a week doing pretty hardcore strength training but I would say it was the wrong strength training. Right. Um, so my second pregnancy, I was doing pull-ups till I was over eight months pregnant. And unsurprisingly, I had kind of, kind of separated abdominals slightly. And I was doing tricep dips and I was thinking, how do I get my arms strong for UTMB? Because I knew I had to use poles in, in the race and I wanted to be strong. And this time, kind of, we went through my strength program straight up and you saw kind yes. of me at kind of, 10 weeks pregnant and I'm doing things and I've, I've got, I've got doming. Yeah. So that's, and, and can you see kind of my, my kind of that dome coming up and I did the ab exercises. So they weren't the right exercises for me, but you can work those muscles in a different way with a different exercise. So I think changing things up, I think the other thing was really important was stabilizing my pelvis. Mm -hmm. So kind of went the relax and surge early in pregnancy kind of having done a lot of work on my pelvis and the adductor work and 
trying to make everything kind of stabilize. So the single leg deadlifts and the walking lunges, really strengthening that side, I think has led to me being able to run still now and being moving without pain that I actually had my first pregnancies because I've got more of those stabilizing muscles and I've been working on them the whole way through the pregnancy. So I think it's been, I've still done this, I've done strength training on my plan. It still says strength training, but it's just been much more pregnancy focused and preparing me for carrying the extra weight, but also preparing me for afterwards because babies are really heavy. Yes, exactly. And I think that's the big thing, isn't it? That, as you say, you were doing your strength training in the other pregnancies, but I mean, my goodness, some of the exercises you were doing, that load on your abdominal wall would have been excessive, but you probably weren't aware of that, were you? You weren't really looking out for doming. You were just doing the strength training to achieve the strength strength training. Whereas this time around, because I think because we've been in touch and, and working mm-hmm. hard at, at sort of protecting your pelvic health and your abdominal wall, um, as you say, there are lots of ways that you can strength train and get that fix, but protect your abdominal wall and pelvic health in a really effective and satisfying way too. I think that's I, fair I think to say, right? I think that's right. I think it's just because you can do a move while you're mm-hmm. pregnant doesn't mean that it's the right thing to yeah. do. And so can I still do a pull-up? Well, actually, I haven't done since the start of pregnancy. If I went kind of to my pull-up bar and tried to knock out a pull-up, I probably still could. <laughs> But what's that doing for me? That's actually probably doing more damage than good, even though I can do it. And so it's just been going through, like we went through my, my strength program, like what am I trying to get out of this yeah. in terms of keeping my running strength, keeping my physical strength? What do I need to take out because it's not good for me and add in something different? And what do I need to add in because I'm pregnant? And I think some of the kind of adductor work that I've been doing has been really beneficial. And I think actually some of it's going to really help my running going forward as kind of, I'm just going to be much more stable in the, in the pelvic area. Um, and that's going to help me trail running. So um, it's, I think I'll come out stronger in some ways yeah. that I wouldn't have been if I, if I hadn't got pregnant. Yeah. Which leads me beautifully onto my next question, really, because there's lots of research, there's lots of guidance now, public health campaigns and charities like the Active Pregnancy Foundation um, that are pointing women towards the clear benefits of exercising during pregnancy if you have a low risk pregnancy um, and you've touched on it slightly already what what do you feel are the real benefits for exercising during pregnancy and I think kind of one thing is mental health yeah so kind of if you've exercised beforehand it's safe to exercise during and even if you haven't it's safe to start kind of um, slowly but you know a lot of us rely on those endorphin fixes Um, that we get and we feel better afterwards and for me it's been you can have so little energy during pregnancy and and I get energized through working out especially some of the the interval sessions so I feel better um, I feel healthier Um, and so that's been a real thing for me it's been kind of I feel better pregnant when I'm exercising Um, but on the the strength side um, and the fitness side um, having kind of a baby is really tough so you've got labor which is an ultra 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 marathon (laughs) um and and being fit for that and being inspired that but 
also straight afterwards kind of being fit and healthy as a new mom it's really tough um to kind of get through that and have the energy and I think the other things on your strength in your arms like you're in all these awkward positions kind of breastfeeding you're carrying this baby around um it's like a medicine ball but it's a squirming one so (laughs) you need you need to check I actually put my back out um um, when I had four months, four months postpartum, four months, my second son was four months old, um, moving him from one side of the bed to the other, breastfeeding. Because I, I, and I needed to do some, I've been really focused on my back exercises during pregnancy because <laughs> I know that's going to happen. So for me, it's, it's, it's so much benefit to be had. I think also you're carrying more weight um, on, on your stomach. So kind of you need to strengthen your back so you don't get your back pain during later pregnancy. And for me, the pelvic pain, I mean, touch wood, I haven't had any. Um, Which you did have in your second, first pregnancy. Both, both, both pregnancies of them. Yeah. Both of them, I had them at the end. And I actually haven't had any this pregnancy, <gasps> apart from a few twinges. Um, so for me, it's been like, I've worked really hard. So I'm actually feeling really good in this latter part of pregnancy, which is keeping me active. So yeah. it's just kind of virtuous circle, really. That's really exciting, isn't it? Because to be in your third pregnancy, having had pelvic girdle pain in your previous two pregnancies and have two little children running around and not to have had pelvic girdle pain, that's amazing, in my opinion. Um, And I do think we can contribute some of that to to your exercise and let's be honest, you have been very committed to your exercise during this pregnancy. <laughs> you know, you haven't just dabbled, <laughs> but you have been very committed to it. And I think that's really exciting for women to hear because there's always that fear when they have pelvic girdle pain in, in a pregnancy that the next time they get pregnant, they will definitely have it again. And there's a clear example there that, that you don't always get pelvic girdle pain in every pregnancy just because you've had it the one time. And I do think some of that comes from being stronger, not solely, but I do think some of it comes from being stronger during your pregnancy. I think, I think that's a lot of it. I think I've been, maybe I came in stronger because I've been doing more trail running and that yeah. gives you the instability as well. But also I think kind of, I had some pelvic pain early on kind of around, I know, 18 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and understanding kind of where that came from and using my belt to support my hips mm-hmm. um, while I did my exercises and kind of trying again. I think one of the, the big messages is you go, a pregnancy isn't just a downhill spiral. Um, there are months where you have kind of more relaxed. And there are months where there's weeks where there's a big change and then it doesn't change. And just because something feels wrong one week yeah. doesn't mean that's going to feel wrong a few weeks later. Um, so kind of trying things again. So my kind of strength exercises, I had a few kind of real shots of pain from my pelvis and I was like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And I felt a bit heavy um, down below. And then a week later I didn't. Um, so it's understanding what that is and your body has all these hormonal changes and just really listening to it and saying, okay, this doesn't work for me today. This, this alternative exercise does work for me today. So I don't want to run. I want to get on the spin bike when my pelvic floor has been really weak for some of the weeks during pregnancy. I've didn't, I've, I've gotten a spin bike instead. I've hiked, I've done incline work. And then the next week it feels better and I can do it again. So it's just all these little kind of daily tests as to what, what does my body want today? What feels right today? Um, 
and and that just changes so just having having one program that you do and like once you can't do it you don't do it anymore it doesn't really work for pregnancy yeah that's that's just the most important thing isn't it to listen to your body throughout your pregnancy and adapt um, and not be too fixated on just one one size fits all one program is only going to work for you I think that's I think that's incredibly important that women do that throughout their pregnancy when it comes to exercise adapt big deal it's a really big really important message um there's still a lot of anxiety and fear I think around exercise during pregnancy for women because we're still you know we google there's still a lot of conflicting uh, information around the, the the do's and the don'ts um, particularly when it comes to high impact exercise like running um, and as I've already touched on we know that exercise is safe to do in a low risk pregnancy so long as you are doing exactly what you've just said listening to your body adapting as as as, as you as as it tells you to um, avoiding bumping your bump uh, <laughs> keeping hydrated and not overheating and when exercising keeping it moderate intensity, which essentially is, can you carry out a conversation whilst you're exercise, uh, exercising? That's, that's, that's quite a good uh, barometer to use. But is there any other advice or tips that you'd offer women who are having a low risk pregnancy, feel well enough to exercise, but they're just a little bit anxious about it? Is there any tips or, or advice that you can offer them just to make them feel a bit more comfortable about exercising, including carrying out high impact exercise during their pregnancies? I think the first thing is, is a lot of people aren't confident because of what everyone else says. Um, and you have kind of your kind of another generation who didn't have the, re- and there's not enough research. Yeah. Um, and that's ridiculous. But the research that's coming out says actually when you exercise, it's good for mum, but it's also good for baby. Yeah. So your baby comes out fitter um, and more able to kind of face the world. So for me, that's that's a big one knowing that I'm actually doing when I'm exercising, I'm doing something that's really good for my baby mm. um, and having that kind of confidence because we um, rightly or wrongly, everything seems to be focused on the baby during pregnancy and not on the mum and knowing that actually you're, you're doing a really good thing for your baby and you're preparing to be a better mother for your baby because you're 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 going to be fitter and stronger. Um, but I think the 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 other thing for me is your body tells you everything. Mm. Um, and for me, that's kind of in spin class. I know that I need to um, um, I know to ha- I need to have the bike under the aircon uh, until yeah. gym's closed. And ev- there's only eight in my spin class, my socially distanced spin class. And everyone was <laughs> brilliant brilliant at giving up the bike under the aircon for me. Um, and and stripping off into a crop top and the tiniest shorts. You know, I'm, I'm basically indecent in the gym and I don't care. Um, <laughs> but your, your body tells you, and I worked out kind of my heart rate, kind of when I'm doing kind of endurance exercise, you know, 140 for me feels good. Um, I can do intervals up to 160 with my heart rate. If I go above that, my body starts saying, do you know what, that's, that's, that's a bit wrong. That mm-hmm. doesn't feel quite right. So it's probably a bit more than having the conversation and these are shorter intervals, but um, I definitely recommend getting a heart rate monitor um, and looking at exercise and say, that felt good. What was that? That didn't feel so good. What was that? Um, and I do my intervals by my heart rate now. Right. It's hard to, I've got heavier. I've put on what I put on like 22, 23 pounds. Um, so it's, I'm obviously not running as fast as I was before, but yeah. what's a good workout zone? So I think it's really your body will tell you everything. 
um, listen to it. When it says something's wrong, understand why. Um, see if you can fix it, switch to something else. Um, your pelvic floor might be really leaky one day. And then for me, I could only run early in the morning because um, it gets tired through the day because it's a muscle and it's been supporting itself all day. And um, I can only run in the morning. Um, so I made that switch and that's worked really well. Um, so it really is your, your body will tell you things and just trying to understand what's going on and doing and reading up as much as you can and reaching out to experts. Um, the more you understand it, the more confidence you'll have in, in, in exercising. Yeah, I agree. And it, and it's, it's having the confidence to talk to the midwives, talk to the GPs and appreciate the fact that no question is too silly. Um, pregnancy is a funny time, isn't it? Because it, it, there is, it's full of uncertainty. We aren't meant to know the answers, particularly first time around. Um, and I, and I think it's a time to really tap into the experts, including your fitness professionals as well. Um, and, and ask those questions because it will give you the confidence and it will mean that you, you'll continue your exercise program, um, much more comfortably basically so so yeah use all your resources I think it's really essential as well I would say that there are midwives that understand this and there are midwives that don't yeah um so I my normal midwife is brilliant um she's always talking I mean I run there um she laughs at me um because it's really good it's three miles you run to her appointment yeah yeah I tell her (laughs) running gear um and she's brilliant and but it was actually at a um at, at that about 20 weeks where um she wasn't there and it was another midwife and I was feeling really kind of heavy um down below and I was I was concerned actually that's when I came to see you yeah um because she said well if you're feeling heavy um don't lift anything and don't stand up too much and she was rushing to the next appointment she didn't examine me and to someone that didn't have the the, the access to experts that I do and and doesn't have the confidence in their own decisions that would be the end of exercise for pregnancy. Yeah. And you'd have just wiped out four or five months of exercise um, that would have helped me and helped the baby. Um, and I came to get checked out and you're like, actually, you know, this is what happens with relaxing in this part of pregnancy and, and, and actually you're fine. And I was worried about prolapse and I was worried about all these things that kind of, you helped me realize actually there was nothing going on. Mm. But there are midwives that, that aren't, don't have the same kind of background, same training. So definitely talk to the experts. Um, But I think there's definitely understanding who the experts are. And most fitness professionals are not fully trained um, to to train kind of prenatal women. Yeah. And kind of going to a female physio is is the best thing you can do if you're worried at all. Um, And even consult my consultant is brilliant. Um, She loves the fact I'm exercising. She's kind of yeah. me to go and, and talk to her, talk to her class about it but great there's still getting the medical profession across so really understanding where you're getting the advice from um and in the same way not looking at elite athletes and and women that seem to snap back or do <laughs> extreme stuff because as like I showed in my second pregnancy doing pull-ups was not good for me yeah absolutely spot on and we'll come on to a bit of postnatal recovery in a moment and 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 bounce back but you you have to follow your own journey and not not for example your journey because for the average woman myself including in this following your particular exercise journey throughout your pregnancy 
well, I couldn't do that if I wasn't pregnant, to be honest, with the type of things you do. So, so I think you have to make sure that it's very specific and individualized to you, to you as well. And you're right. In an ideal world, I would love it if every pregnant woman through that throughout their pregnancy could see a pelvic health physiotherapist um, and just give them some reassurance and guidance around their pelvic health. Um, and and you, you, you're spot on. You 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 have had access to that, and you have had access to midwives who do understand edu- uh, exercise. And as a profession, in or as as a as a population, medical pro- professionals, we still need to educate each other on the benefits of exercise throughout pregnancy because you're right not everyone appreciates that at the moment but we're chipping away we'll talk about women in sport (laughs) in a moment um so on the flip side of all of that um we've got women who love their exercise um and then fall pregnant and fall into this oh hang on a minute i don't want to stop exercising I still want to get my fix, but I just don't know how. And and you've been quoted as saying that you do your ultra runs to push your body uh, for the and for the incredible challenge it offers you. Um, but you also recognise that during pregnancy, it's not a time to push your body, but you still want to feel challenged. Um, and I have lots of patients who feel this way, and I think what they'd really a lot of the list our listeners will, will gain is understanding how you've managed to achieve that how have you managed to challenge yourself in pregnancy and get the the true fix and love of exercise that that you that you clearly feel um that's I mean it's been a weird pregnancy because of lockdown yeah. so I definitely have I've definitely benefited from the lack of FOMO of all my friends doing all these big races that I was signed up for. And the great thing that they've all transferred my places over to next year. Amazing. Um, even before saying, I'm pregnant, can you transfer it please? Um, which the ones that did, they were, they were awesome with. Um, it feels like there's been a massive change since my last pregnancy and the whole stories about kind of pregnant ultra runners in races deferring. So I'm super happy about That's that. That's great. Um, it's it's like race organizers now understand that, that there are pregnant women get pregnant but that's um, you you've helped with that I, I think partly I think it's 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 been a conversation that's gone on um mm. but they um especially when they see my name go please they're like I'm not gonna risk it. <laughs> <No. laughs> um, <laughs> I know what she'll do it's saying. not worth it um, it's not worth it for them <laughs> I think kind of so there have been the lockdown challenges which actually been brilliant um in setting little goals so kind of the first one I did was climbing Everest um, on a treadmill and I was 20 weeks pregnant and it was Centurion running event. Um, and you could choose whatever altitude goal, elevation goal you wanted. And actually for a pregnant woman, climbing, walk, hiking on incline is a brilliant exercise. Yes. And I think runners often say, oh, you know, I would walk, like walking is cheating. No, you check out your heart rate when you're walking at 50 hiking at 15 percent versus jogging at 0 percent and I guarantee you're probably getting a much better workout at 15 percent so that was really cool so I did that in just over two days um did the elevation of Trevon um Everest on the treadmill quite happily ate a lot of Haribo really enjoyed that bit and and to Um, be clear how long did you have to do that challenge it wasn't two days was it it was a week wasn't it it was a week it was a week but I just wanted to get out of the way (laughs) I wanted to get out of the way. Superhuman. Um, I was like, I think it was a total of like about nine hours on the treadmill. Wow. Um, and it was a thousand, it's eight, it's about 9,000 meters, 8848. Eight, eight. So it's like a thousand meters an hour. What did you do? But, did you not get bored? 
Um, so I watched um, Netflix. Oh, cool. So I've got a tablet attached to my, my treadmill. And I never watch TV in general because I, I, as a mum, you often feel you just every time, especially pregnant, when you don't have that 10 to 12 slot at night to get your work done because your brain doesn't work and you mm. just want to actually go to bed. Yeah. Um, having that kind of TV time. And I watched the whole program on babies. Um, which was quite good it was like all learning about kind of babies and then I watched the ones about crazy sports um of course um, that was really good called home game I quite enjoyed that and this morning on the treadmill I watched about cheese rolling and I thought that looks more painful than what I'm doing so I really enjoyed the Netflix so that's what I did I and oh I did some conference calls um as well so I'm like I'm just gonna be quite quiet and like the sales team like she's not asking many questions (laughs) I I had to stop the treadmill every time I wanted to talk wow (laughs) So that was, that was one challenge. That was just kind of, it was kind of something to work towards and like a, a kind of putting, I've got a brilliant, I've got a brilliant running coach called Edwina Sutton and she's been brilliant at putting in different things into the program and kind of got me back to me again when I tore my hamstring and um, we've had different things of like, this is a challenge to cycle this or um, I even got a few Strava segments early on in pregnancy, which my friends just nicked one. So I'm going, I'm like, that's really rude and pregnant. Uh-oh. Um, but then this week has been doing a half Ironman um, because I got a random T-shirt. Um, so Centurion Running teamed up with Rerun and Rerun's a brilliant company that recycle um, used running clothing. And oh, yes. um, so you send your used running clothing, actually they stamp it and you can buy it again. So I've, I've actually bought bigger sizes for pregnancy from them, um, oh. of used running clothing that's been brilliant. Um, but the the deal was you kind of basically pay a £10 donation and get a random t-shirt and you have to do the race on the t-shirt or your interpretation so I got half Ironman and I was like brilliant that's that's great when you're pregnant because I can't swim because the pores are closed but I've got a rowing machine um very slowly with a bump I can cycle 38 weeks pregnant yeah it got got the way um and I can cycle 90k on a bike over a couple of sessions. Um, and I can do a half, half marathon on a treadmill over a couple of sessions at the incline. Um, I can do that. And, and this is the thing about being pregnant. You know, we're not, um, we're not injured. We just can't do the same thing. And there are different ways of pushing ourselves and understanding what our bodies can do. And we can kind of go quite hard in spin class and we can go quite hard on the incline. Can we run down a steep hill? Is that really good for our pelvic floors and our mm. pelvis? No. But can we run up a steep hill or mm-hmm. hike up it? Well, yeah, we can. Um, so it's working out like different challenges, different things to keep you motivated. Um, I've gone up weights on some of my arm workouts that I wasn't doing before um, pregnancy, but I am doing now and seeing kind of, oh, it, it feels good to like, oh, well, I was doing this at this weight and now I, I feel comfortable at a higher weight. So there's always little things, but I think you have to have a bit of patience. Like mm. you can't run as fast as you used to run. Yeah. But you can do other stuff. Yeah. It's finding the challenges, isn't it? I love that. Now I need to find myself a challenge. I'm not even pregnant. I'll, I'll, I really need one. to find a challenge. I've got a 50k race in February if you want to come do that. <laughs> <laughs> I would oh, love to. I've told you this so many times. I just need to take it you up on one. Denby's. So my, my oh, comeback. It starts there. So it's my comeback race. It's North Downs Ridge, North Ridge something, 50K. Um, 
And that's what um, I'm going to put in the diary. That's the plan, is it? That's the plan, a 50k run in February. We will talk yeah. about that, Sophie, once you have your baby. <laughs> um there's a walking start so this is this is the other thing after after pregnancy is because you don't know what's going to happen you can't commit to saying I'm going to do definitely do this because yeah you could I could have a c-section and I could have a long recovery but the 50k is something that well if it happens it happens it's great but there's a hiking start so yeah. I if I can go and hike that and hopefully I'm up to hiking that mm-hmm. or part of it um, at that time, I won't be up to running fast anyway. I'll be barely running, but having that kind of flexibility in what you can do, and and that for me sounded like kind of actually, that sounds like a quite a good target. And if I miss it, it's fine. Yeah. But it's in there, and it will get me kind of out of bed and and trying to get fit after giving birth, which is the right thing for me. It's the right thing for the baby. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's what's right for you as well alongside following lots of expert advice as well postnatally um but if you hike it i'm hiking it with you in february and we'll talk about whether you're running it in february nearer the time Um, i know you're the boss (laughs) (laughs) uh, am i i'd like to think i am to a point but we'll talk more on that that wasn't part of our conversation or my planned conversation (laughs) um so i have to touch on pelvic health on that note um were you aware of pelvic health before you ever fell pregnant and how much now now that you know about pelvic health how has your approach changed towards it throughout this pregnancy um I had no idea what it was before I got pregnant my first in fact I had no real idea during the pregnancy um I I remember doing like some pregnancy yoga class which I thought was really fluffy and really annoying um, as you can imagine, I, I'm not really good at sitting still. Um, and they mentioned something about a pelvic floor and squeezing. And I didn't know why. And I didn't really see the point. Um, and then I had a really difficult first labor. And in the end, I had an episiotomy um, and a voluntary delivery. Mm-hmm. And um, the day after I gave birth in the evening, the day after, I basically just, just had no control. Um, and I didn't want to go. If you don't want to go to the toilet after you've had a baby. And so I was like holding the canopy, not trying to go. And suddenly just couldn't control it. And I was like, what's gone wrong? What is this? Like, and I, I actually, I genuinely asked the midwife if that was like extra amniotic fluid. Um, I didn't know. I didn't understand that this was a thing. And she's like, you know, you have a pelvic floor problem. Like most women do after labor. I'm like, oh, well that sucks. Um, and, and then I had kind of the physio came to see me the next day I was in, a couple of nights and and she said well you, you know you, you might never run again um and my husband kicked her out of the room he's just like even if that's the truth that is not what you're telling my wife um on on the and when she's kind of in this such a vulnerable state so I couldn't take a running step for three months after I gave birth um and I didn't know why and I didn't really know how to fix it and I didn't get any support and I got a piece of paper from the hospital but the GP didn't ask me about it at the six week check. They were just trying to work out kind of whether the baby was okay. My mental health was okay. Well, mentally I, I was fine, but actually my physical state was going to cause mental problems down the line if I mm-hmm. couldn't exercise. And I, I do think that pelvic health is, is a mental health problem as well. Yeah. Um, if you can't carry out kind of, you can't 
feel like you used to feel and you can't do the activities you want to do, that, that is a problem. Um, and so it's only when I found um, about EVB shorts and the kind of the pelvic support mm-hmm. shorts that I got a pair of those on and suddenly I could run again. Um, and then from then I've been really kind of understanding what it is. And I mean, I put my pelvic floor under a lot of strain because my normal is being able to run down a con- steep concrete hill with a rucksack on my back. Yeah. That, that, if I can't do that, that that's not good enough. So kind of really going in with a focus into my second pregnancy and it's probably where I stopped running at five months and kind of saw a, a pelvic health physio kind of as soon as I could afterwards, mm-hmm. may need to try and get a sign off for UTMB um, and, and strengthen it. But it's, it's great. How did I not know about it when I fell pregnant? Um, and why didn't I get the support I needed? And that's been a huge thing for me is really trying to help other women understand that this is sadly normal mm. and it's common, but it doesn't have to be. And there's lots of things you can do about it. And no matter how long after pregnancy, you can always make improvements. Um, but we just need to be more aware of it. Yeah. And you're you're an incredible advocate now for pelvic health. Um, and you're, you're really brilliant at being so open about it, because I think for a lot of women talking about pelvic floor dysfunction, like urinary incontinence is, is really embarrassing and it's there's a real taboo around it still. But I think what's so incredible about what you've done is you've you've no one asked no you know you didn't ask for this you didn't ask to sort of be talking about your pelvic floor probably for potentially the rest of your career um but you've but you've embraced it and you've you you advocate so much for it and you've certainly helped raise pelvic health's profile hugely particularly well, not just for uh, the recreational runner, but for elite runners like yourself as well. And you've, you've, you've done a huge service for everyone in that. And I would definitely encourage everyone to read your blog because or any woman, any man, any coach, any medical fitness professional, just to read it because it gives you a really good insight and you're honest about it as well. You know, it hasn't been a smooth journey for you with your pelvic health. It's been up and down, up and down. But what you have done, particularly I think in this pregnancy, is you have embraced your pelvic health, haven't you? You have you have taken it quite seriously. Um, there's been a few moments where I've had to pull you back a little bit and say, right, well, let's <laughs> not forget that you, you do have to think about the pelvic health and you're wanting to run down your hills. Um, but you, you, you do talk the talk, essentially, don't you? You have to, and I, I think it's kind of, I guess that's part of kind of where I found myself kind of since UTMB and I was a really private person and kind of didn't, oh God. I, did my, <laughs> I did, did my running and that was about kind of, no, I didn't tell anyone about my running. Um, and then I'm kind of thrust into the spotlight and yeah. the subject comes up and it's like, well, why wouldn't I talk about it? If, if me talking about it kind of can help other people get fixed and, and take it seriously and I mean, there's so many issues about kind of returning kind of kind of postpartum and, and prenatal, but there's so many issues that just aren't talked about that need yeah. to be talked about. And if, if I can kind of use a platform to do any of that, then that's the right thing to do. And and more people are like, oh, God, I need to think about this. And actually, it's it's not normal to leak when you run. And that shouldn't be kind of acceptable and no. you have these awful adverts about oh you know I've gone for trampoline and it's like I went oops no no you, that doesn't have to happen no. um but sadly it does for so many women and I think 
kind of working with like women in sport and seeing what the barriers are to exercise for women. And there's so many barriers, but one of them is actually kind of one in three women have mm-hmm. kind of um, some kind of incontinence problem because of mostly because of childbirth. And if that's stopping you exercise, that's stopping you having like the lifelong benefits of being fit and healthy and kind of a longer life and a happier life. And it's if it's down to just understanding and getting that fixed, surely we should have so much more support for women post-pregnancy and also whatever point of life they're at, because the benefits are immense. Yeah, they're huge. And you do a wonderful job of of of, of talking about that. We'll, we'll talk about your uh, work with women in sport in a moment. But I think another barrier of to exercise postnatally can be breastfeeding as well. Um, and you're really famous for that shot that was taken taking of you breastfeeding Cormac it was Cormac wasn't it yes Cormac. yeah um and that was during the UTMB challenge right have I got <laughs> yes. my, my challenge you've got, done so many I'd lose track half the time UTMB um, UTMB yeah. um and in our return to running postnatal guidelines we discussed that breastfeeding shouldn't be a barrier to exercise at all um can you offer any listener who is breastfeeding and keen to exercise, any advice on breastfeeding and exercise and, and your experience um, around that? I think the first thing is, is bre- if you're breastfeeding, it doesn't mean you can't exercise. Yeah. Um, but there are, and, and, and I think a lot of women worry about their milk supply. And if I, if I, if I exercise my milk supply. So UTMB is a, is a 106 mile race um, through the mountains. And I didn't have a problem with my milk supply afterwards. But that's because I did certain things. So the big things are hydration. So you're obviously kind of, when you're breastfeeding, you need kind of the amount of liquid you're pumping out as well as what you normally need and what you need to exercise. Mm-hmm. So making sure you're having enough hydration and electrolytes with that to balance it out. Um, if you're taking in more kind of water, you're going to need more salt alongside that. Um, fueling. Um, what I really found was kind of, as an ultra runner, you, you, sort of train your body a bit to run on fat. Um, so a long run, I could do a two hour long run without having food before. Yeah, that doesn't happen when you're breastfeeding. Actually, it doesn't happen when you're pregnant. I need, mm. I need, I need, these, I've been giving myself breakfast before the boys in the morning. I'm like, I, if I can't function, then nothing's gonna happen. So I'm having my breakfast and then I'll sort you guys out. Yeah. And they're quite cool with that, they're brilliant. Um, because you, you're so hungry in the morning. So really fueling kind of beforehand, so not running on empty and during and afterwards kind mm-hmm. of you need extra calories to breastfeed you also need to fuel kind of what you're doing as well so that needs to happen um and then I think then there's the comfort side yeah so kind of making sure that kind of if you're not due a feed you can pump before you go out mm-hmm. or feed before you go out because otherwise you end up like I did on UTMB with like basically a pair of watermelons because I only oh. the first time I could see Cormac was I think 16 hours into the race and I had no access to a pump and I was, he was three months old and he was exclusively breastfed. Wow. So I was squeezing my booze behind trees in like the, the toilets at the summit points. It was not an experience I want to repeat and I will not be doing that again. Um, but that was the only way to like relieve the pain. Yeah. Um, Cause they just get so big. Oh, they're so, so I think, Yeah. And I think understanding the relaxing stays in your body. So kind of just being a bit more careful like for me the relaxing doesn't go until I stop breastfeeding 
Um, and I was a bit more prone to injury kind of while I was breastfeeding and had to be a bit more careful um, on the kind of slippier trails and um, just with kind of how kind of less, kind of more, more loose I was. Um, and then that goes, but that goes straight after you stop breastfeeding. So it's not a, a long-term thing. Um, but yeah, breastfeeding shouldn't be a, a stop dexas. And there's brilliant sports bras out there that actually are supportive um, that you can breastfeed in. So they're kind of this kind of two UK companies kind of latched and natal active. I tried both their bras in um, pregnancy because obviously you can be boozer are bigger and mm. you want the squidgy layer kind of around it because it just makes you look nicer. Um, and I'm really excited to breastfeed in them when I've had the baby because actually they're really supported now before you didn't get really good breastfeeding sports bras. So there's everything out there to help you now um, and just have the confidence to do it. And don't, it's, it's still sadly looks unusual. We don't have lots of pictures of breastfeeding athletes, but there's millions of women doing it. Yeah. So just have the confidence that it's absolutely normal. It's great for the baby. It's great for you. Um, and having that break to go and do some exercise or go for a run is is the biggest gift you can give yourself as, yeah. as a new mum. I totally agree. Do you think race organisers are on board with breastfeeding now? Because I heard a story, um, the, uh, a massage therapist called Matt Scarbrook, um, and he runs a, a great podcast um, um, called um, for uh, massage massage therapy matters and um he would say that his wife was doing a triathlon and unzipped her wetsuit uh, to breastfeed her baby before she got into the water and the course organizer was really negative about it and yeah. actually yeah and actually um implied to him once she got into the water that she shouldn't do that again otherwise she'd be disqualified and yeah. I just want yeah I, I mean I've no idea where this triathlon was or and how long ago it was but do you hit any resistance with that anymore with course organizers around running events god no I mean I mean on UTMB kind of I mean I I pumped during races before when I'd had my first baby um and um I remember kind of like my first race after my first child was a centurion North Downs 15 miles. And um, I was breastfeeding the car before, so I was almost late for the safety kit. So my, my husband had to take my pack in, which had a breastfeeding pump inside. Um, and he had to produce his pack and, and, and there was kind of lots of laughter about it. Um, but they were amazingly supportive. Um, on a race I did when um, Doug was I think 10 months, um, I needed to get away. Um, I was really struggling and I went to Utah to race across the, um, for the Grand Canyon to the Grand Staircase. And they carried my pump every night for me. Wow. So you carry everything for yourself. You have to carry all your food, all your water, everything. And they took exception. They, they, they carried my pump every day so I could have that in the mornings and at night. So they were brilliant. I don't think it's race organizers. I think there's not maybe enough encouragement and kind of understanding about it because most race organizers are blokes and they don't think about it. Um, but when you ask, I think especially now, I think the ultra community is just a brilliant, friendly um, community. When you ask, um, they really would say no, because a, a lot of them are trying to encourage more women. I mean, UTMB kind of, obviously they haven't really changed their policies for kind of pregnancy and deferrals, but at checkpoint, I, mean, I wasn't telling people I was, I was breastfeeding, but um, when the medics noticed, they brought me blankets. They actually gave me one place to kind of private area as well. 
wow. uh, which really kind, I wasn't expecting. Um, so I think race organizers can do a lot more to attract women. So we need more toilets at the start. We often want more toilets in the course, um, kind of describing their races instead of like as the toughest, hardest thing in the world, saying kind of actually these are the cutoffs and and we, yeah. we we're attracted to a different kind of race. Like women aren't attracted, even if we're completely capable, which we always are, of doing the hardest races, like the way that they market them um, is different. But no, I, th I think it's just, I, th I think the picture kind of and myself and obviously Jasmine Paris kind of, yeah. kind of pumping and winning the spine race. Um, a shame that you know, female athletes are, we're just as strong as men. We're a little bit different. We have some different needs. Um, and if you want to attract us to your races, um, then you'll allow for it. But it's not giving us an advantage. I mean, we're, we've got to stop to breastfeed. It's not like we're going to kind of, <laughs> yeah. mo most of us, apart from Jess, we're not going to win um, if we've got hours of breastfeeding stops. Yeah, absolutely. So you're a trustee of women in sport. Um, can you tell us a bit more about what is women in sport and what's your role with, with, within that, that charity? So women in sport is, it's an amazing charity and um, it's all about kind of giving access to all women, uh, women and girls, the, the the lifelong benefits of sport. So they do amazing pieces of insight work. So um, understanding why kind of women and girls aren't accessing sport in the right way, and then developing kind of policies and process and, and awareness to help us do that. So they were behind the insight for the This Girl Can campaign, which has got millions hey, more women yeah. more active, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then recently kind of understanding kind of um, the menopause, which is, I mean, after pelvic health, the menopause, I mean, I didn't learn about it at school. Mm -hmm. I'm now, Me I'm now kind of trying to study kind of female physiology myself to understand more about my own body. And, and I, I feel kind of, hopefully it's quite a few years away, but prepared, but understanding why, Kind of menopausal women aren't exercising even though it's at the time in life where more than ever we need that weight-bearing exercise to protect our bones in later life um there's brilliant kind of daughters and dads campaign where oh. understanding kind of where dads would take their boys for a kick around but you wouldn't necessarily think about for the girls yes and and physical literacy is so important in, in the early days so it's a it's a brilliant insights charity into really taking down the barriers for not just kind of elite athletes, but really kind of um, girls from when they're born um, and making sure that everyone has that access to sport because we know we know all about the benefits. So kind of my role is kind of working with them, trying to kind of make sure we, we increase the impact of what we do. And um, I'm really, really passionate about um, making sure that everyone has the access because I didn't grow up sporty um, and I missed out on all of that as a child. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I'm having a daughter for the first time. And for me, especially now, it's I, I want to make sure that she doesn't miss out um, and her friends don't miss out um, on, on the benefits that I, I wish I'd had as a child. Yeah, I agree. When you have, I mean, whether you have sons or daughters, um, your messaging, that messaging is so important. But when you have a daughter, it's the same, my, my same feeling with pelvic health. I just don't want them to be where I was um, after having my first um, baby. And that was, how, how do I get back to running? What, why have I got pelvic floor issues? Um, I don't want to keep hearing women say to me, well, why has no one told me that this might happen? And, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it, 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 it still amazes me that we're even having this conversation in the 21st century. You'd think we would be well beyond this by now. Um, 
but it is so important that we're getting our our kids our daughters to exercise and it's so important that we're we're getting them to protect and look after their pelvic health as well and I love that I love what what messaging and, and what work women in sports doing and I hope you know we've spoken about it before that you know we can do perhaps Gronya and I can do a bit more work with you and women in sport in in promoting pelvic health for for girls as well because I just think it's just that those messages are just so fundamental aren't they I, I don't know how we grow up and we do GCSE biology or whatever biology and we don't learn about our own bodies no. and so understanding I think what's coming out now on understanding the menstrual cycle and how we're different, the different parts. And all we're really taught is you might be really grumpy for a few days. And that's what men know. It's like, oh yeah, she got, she got, she's, she's, she's in the wrong zone. Um, but understanding how that can work for our benefits, understanding how our hormones can work. Yeah. Kind of, I think when it comes to fertility, kind of no one tells you that, can you see these A-listers kind of having babies at kind of 45 plus mm-hmm. that actually, that's really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've probably gone through lots of rounds of IVF. Like, how do you take control of your fertility earlier in life? And there's so many things and it's it's crazy how little money goes into female specific research, um, yeah. even though we have all these body changes that, that men don't. And I think um, I saw a stat that only 4% of, um, kind of studies related to kind of sports are only conducted on women. Yeah, no, Whereas, it's and it's over 20% that are just male only. And, but we have all these changes that are, our body goes through even kind of the understanding why so many girls drop out of puberty from exercise because our cue angle changes and um, we might get slower for a year while we go through that change and that will get better. But coaches don't understand it. And if yeah. they don't understand it, then how are we going to keep girls in sport? So a lot of women in sport work is how do we understand why girls are dropping out and how do we understand what women want from a sports provision yeah. which is different from what men want in general. Um, we love our classes. So lockdown has been really hard for us because yeah. we like the social aspect of going to them. So it's so multifaceted. There's so much going on, but kind of being able to fight and make a difference and, and getting more women back in is, is so important for, for, for our long-term health. Yeah. And for, for the government, it, it, for me, it's crazy because it will save them so much money in the long run on all these diseases that, we know that exercise would take away or, or reduce significantly, um, but they're quite myopic. So um, that's another part of the problem. Yeah, we just don't focus enough on prevention, do we, unfortunately? But exciting stuff, really exciting work with women in sports. So watch this space and see what incredible work that you, that you, that you achieve and, and carry out. Um, so two weeks left until <laughs> baby number three comes along. This is so exciting. <laughs> um, so what's, what's next? Other than the fact that you're going to have another baby, um, in, for most of us, that would be enough. Uh, for you, it won't be. So what, what's next for 2021 in terms of ultra running and other projects that you might have on the horizon? Um, that's a good question. Um, I've got a whole, <laughs> obviously, I've got a whole calendar of races. Um, <laughs> mostly late. So for me, it's getting back. It's not doing a UTMB again. And I think that was a, a real one-off and I and I get a lot of women saying well how did you run 100 miler three months afterwards I want to do that and and I'm always saying you know so many things came together for that to happen and would I recommend others did it no was this a very very special race that I've been trying to get into for years and I never meant to try and race the whole thing I meant to 
get to the start line, maybe get 10K, maybe get halfway. Um, so it's being more sensible. So going back kind of close to home, three months, trying to get back to running. Um, I've got, there's a very special race called Lakeland 100 um, miles in the Lake District. And my, my grandmother's from there and I've always wanted to race up there. So that's July. So I'm hoping to be able to do that. Brilliant. And then maybe return to the track to see what I can do over 24 hours around a track again. Because um, I did one last year and, yeah. and I was injured. And I really want to see what I can do there. And it's, it's closer to home, obviously with kind of COVID and everything, traveling is hard and yeah. um, the environmental impact of flying all over the world to race isn't, isn't beneficial either. So that's on the racing side. And I think on the other side is doing whatever I can to can you support women and to raise awareness. And now I've done a blog through pregnancy. I'll probably keep a blog up um, I hope about, so. about how I get back in and try and share the story and, um just kind of I'm always when people kind of met I get lots of messages on Instagram asking all sorts of questions and I always try and respond to them so if anyone has questions then um I'm just the ultra Sophie and just I will I will help because I see how many people have questions and they're not answered and I'm always happy to do that so um yeah and obviously like do some work at the same time because this isn't my job but um I do I do really kind of want to make sure that I can be given this chance to make a difference and I, I see what it does and um whether I write a book or do other things next year we'll see I'll find the time somehow cool. where, where is your time coming from chat me some over <laughs> <laughs> um so we try and end our podcast by asking our guests three for them to offer us three tips or our listeners three tips um as to why they should consider their own pelvic health have you those three tips, please? Yeah, I think it's one more hand. Um, why, you should, why you should consider it? Um, well, I think the first one, I mean, the main one is um, that pelvic health is just part of being alive and, and functioning properly. And we all deserve to be fit and healthy and function properly. And this is just one part of it. If you tore your hamstring like I did, you would go and get it fixed because limping around in pain is no fun and you can't do what you love to do. It's another muscle Mm -hmm. that is not, it it often isn't right. And we should treat it in the same way as any other part of our life, um, any part of illness, any part of anything that's holding us back in life. um, We should get it fixed and we should fight to get access to the resource to do so. Um, Which sometimes people can get fogged up. And I think, especially mothers can um, feel like they're not important um, and they should can be quiet all about the baby. You're a better mother when you function properly. Yeah. Um, so that's one. Can that count as three? <laughs> I can. I think, I think one that I would, um, without putting words in your mouth, of course, um, is about postnatal rehab as well. And do you think having that postnatal check is beneficial after you've had a baby? I think it's huge. I think because we don't know, it's not, it's quite easy to measure kind of how fast you can run or how much you you can deadlift. Um, Understanding how good your pelvic floor is, is difficult. And I think we also want to see, seeing progress Mm. makes you do your exercises. So I, oh, sorry, she's kicked me. Oh, that really painful. Sorry. That was a, that was a <laughs> kick, right? That is a kick. Yeah, that really hurt. Oh, Sophie. Um, um, but 
kind of showing the progress is, is hard. And I remember kind of last time I saw you, it's like, actually, I can do my holds for longer than I was doing before. And I've been yeah. working on it. And that gave me the kind of the, the confidence going, actually, this works. This is this is making it better. So getting the, the expert help, but there's lots of different things. There's apps kind of you can use. There's you know, LV trainers. There's loads of different mm-hmm. things you can do to, to understand that as well. Um, and making sure that you just have access. I mean, we we think nothing kind of, of asking for a massage for our birthday or a facial for our birthday. Actually, we'll probably get much more longer lasting kind of benefit from asking for a, a visit to go and see a female physio. Um, so I think kind of in terms of treat, it's, it's treating yourself, but it's it's self-care. Yeah. Um, and we should all prioritize self-care, especially if we've just had a baby, because that's the time that we need it most. That counts as five tips, in my opinion. Yes, done. It's wonderful. <gasps> well, oh, I, I love talking to you. We could talk forever, I think. Um, <laughs> we do. But, but you are a busy woman. Um, can, um, can you let us know how you get on in two weeks' time? Um, we are sending you... know she'll stick around for like four weeks now. Well... She'll be like two weeks overdue. I'm like, Come on, get out now. <laughs> oh no I don't I just don't see it I don't see that happening but let us know how you get on we send you lots of love and wish you lots of luck for your next ultra in two weeks um (laughs) it's going to be amazing and really excited to see your blogs um particularly your postnatal recovery so um thank you for giving up your time and thank you for all the work you do for for women oh thanks for having me on thank you Thank you so much to Sophie Power. We're delighted to tell you that two weeks after recording this show, Sophie gave birth to a beautiful baby girl called Sersha, and both mummy and baby are doing very well. Sophie, Gronya, myself and the Physiomatis team send you lots of love. Do follow Sophie's blog, which details her pregnancy and postnatal journey and return to running. If you're interested in finding out more about exercise during pregnancy, we highly recommend looking at the resources in our show notes which include the fantastic charity Active Pregnancy Foundation. This is a charity that supports women to stay active throughout pregnancy and beyond. My book, Why Did No One Tell Me? How to Protect, Heal and Nurture Your Body Through Motherhood is out on the 4th of February and is a book for pregnant and postnatal women, but also for anyone that works with this population of women. Within it, I talk a lot about exercise during pregnancy and postnatally, as well as pelvic health so that you can have an informed and empowering pregnancy and postnatal recovery. It's available now for pre-order on Amazon. Join us for session five, which will be released on the 27th of February. Thank you for listening to At Your Cervix, a podcast with pelvic health physiotherapists, Gronya Donnelly and Emma Brockwell. We look forward to bringing you more interesting content to lift the lid on all things pelvic health. Don't forget to subscribe to our channels so you never miss an episode. We welcome any questions, comments or suggestions about the show by emailing at your cervix at physio-matters.com. You can also find us on all social media channels, including Twitter, Facebook and Instagram by searching for at your cervix underscore the podcast. Hold up. 